This is The Rest is PR with Lyle Fulton and Jackie Balls. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Rest is PR. I am Lyle Fulton, and as ever, I'm joined by the wonderful Jackie Vores. Jackie, how are you today? How are you this fine afternoon when we're recording this podcast? I'm very fine, thanks, Lyle. Happy to be in English shores. Fair enough. Would you? We, we've had a brief conversation about this before yeah. we went live in inverted commas. Would you like to explain what you've been doing in recent days and, and why you are happy to be back? I haven't been partying in Ibiza. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm happy to be back. I think Ibiza is a place you're supposed to party in, not a, a place that you're supposed to sort of chill out in. Absolutely. So. I mean, I think we were discussing listeners before we went live on this podcast about how Jackie's been away in Ibiza with her family, uh, which was equal parts enjoyable, but also a little bit stressful at points. And I suppose bringing it back to PR, mm. Ibiza's PR is very much come and party, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the yeah, PR of Ibiza They're very much is, on message. You know, it's very much on brand. <laughs> and as a result, if you try to go for something that's not, not particularly on brand. It's not the best idea. <laughs> listen, no. listen to the messages you're given. <laughs> 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 but good to have you back. Good to have you safely home and recording this latest episode of the podcast. Today, we are going to be talking about something a bit more specific than potentially some of the things we've spoken about in previous episodes. Obviously, we've we've covered a lot of ground already, and it's been really, really brilliant. But we're going to go into the minutiae and specifics of writing. In PR because a lot of what you will do as a PR professional does still involve the written word and writing press releases and writing other pieces of content for clients and I suppose it's particularly important as someone who's looking to forge a career in PR that you have we discussed these soft skills mm. before strong literacy skills writing skills the ability to tell a story and I've kind of pitched going back to pitching last week I pitched this episode to you earlier in the week Jackie is the art of storytelling, you know, yeah. writing being the art of storytelling. So I suppose my first very broad question before we get into the specifics is how important is an ability to write concisely, but also eloquently and in a storytelling style to a successful career in PR? It's supremely important to be able to get your message across in the right way, on the right channel and writing is part of that, as is podcasting, as is broadcasting, as is presenting. And when we're looking at sort of recruiting people, which we talked about a bit in the last podcast, but, you know, one of the skills that we do look for is definitely the ability to write. But I think a lot of it comes back down to a lot of common sense. And I think nowadays, you know, the media or the channels that we are communicating on as PR professionals are varied and many. We've got sort of social media, obviously, we've got press, we've got influencers, we've got other people that we want to talk to our message in their own authentic way. So it's not just writing, and it's not just as simple as press releases. It's actually understanding your audience, where they're consuming their information and almost writing in their language. It's like translating English into other English, if you know what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think one of the things I found really interesting when I embarked on my career as a as someone who works in the PR industry with, with the Mozo and with yourself is that I was fairly confident in my ability to write to a brief and, you know, fairly confident in my ability to write concisely and clearly. But 
I kind of had a very specific style, a way of writing mm. that I thought, oh, you know, that is a one size fits all way, provided my employer likes how I write and likes the particular style in which I write, then I can just keep doing that and sort of flow through that using that particular style. And something I've learned, and it's a huge benefit in terms of learning by doing and being involved with a team like the team at Demozo and any PR team I imagine in general is that writing for your audience is very, very important. I think I've written 30, 40, 50 upwards pieces of content for mm. Demozo in the last 12 months. And they've all been different relative to the client I'm writing for. You know, I Absolutely. mean it's very much when, knowing the audience. When I first I remember giving you um, a press release to write for Margot and Ludo.com when we when we first sort of interviewed and you did take a really good brief on that because you realized that that was a local press release for local news in the London area about a London brand being launched and you you know you did write for that audience and you did that very very well and that was a press release and that was one you know medium one channel and I think when clients come to you who haven't had experience of PR before they often think that all we do is write press releases and it really isn't. And it's sometimes a shock to people when they realise that there are so many different channels and so, and more effective channels than just sending out a press release over the wires. So so that's, that's something to bear in mind. But I think what I wanted to say when we first started thinking about doing writing as a podcast subject was the fact that it all comes down to your messaging and your positioning. Once you've got that right, then everything else sort of falls into place a bit more. One of the things that's always on my mind is that it's very difficult for a human being to take in numerous messages at one time. And that's even when they're just focused on the one thing that you've put in front of them. Now, if we really think about how people normally consume media, they could be listening to a podcast while playing a game or while reading an article Everybody's sort of multi-screening, doing many th multitasking. So we have a lot of noise to get through when we're trying to get a message across. So if we're trying to get three, four, five, six messages across, bearing in mind that everybody who we're trying to get those messages across to could be very busy with lots of other things going on in their lives. That's a really tough job. That's a really tough ask. So the best PRs in my experience and the people the best I've come across are the ones that are able to keep repetitively getting the same message over across again and again and again in different ways across different channels and I call that sort of multiple touch points when we go back to it getting that messaging right at the beginning is so so important it's so crucial and it's a really really brilliant point you raise as well because I think we mentioned it in the last episode as well didn't we this idea that it doesn't matter how good the in inverted commas story is or the announcement or what you want to get across we spoke about them being able to sort of call back to how people respond to it and how people engage with the story and mm. if the message isn't consistent then they're engaging with different things as the story grows and develops as you start to announce more things if you i don't know i'm going to pluck an example out of thin air but say you were announcing a broom was coming to market in the newspaper and then two weeks later you're working with the same client but that broom's become a mop but someone mm. who read the story two weeks ago was like but i wanted to buy the broom it's like it gets confused you know what i mean if you're that's a very very mundane example well no that's actually quite that's actually quite a good example because some people will say oh yes i want to go and buy this latest computer 
that mm. they've seen, but then they seen all sorts of different varieties of that computer. There could be a gaming version. There could be a, a graphic design version. It's kind of like, oh my God, which type do I get? Exactly, so, so much going on. People can get very confused by multiple messages. And so keeping things simple and consistency, great word there, Lyle, because I was thinking about this when I was away on holiday and sort of watching different Instagram videos and YouTube videos of personal trainers, because I'm quite interested in getting my sort of core strength um, a lot better. And one of the key messages that kept coming across to me was consistency, consistency, consistency. So if you're looking at consistency in terms of getting your your muscles working properly or your core strength better, it's exactly the same with your messaging. It's that consistency of message needs to keep coming through time and time again across many, many different channels. So that's why we have what we call our sort of proprietary messaging and positioning program that we put every single new client through and it's something I developed over the last 20 years which is almost like a sequence of activities and question and answer sessions that seem very very common sense and they are but what they're there to do is to really pull out from any client what their core message is what they really need to say about what they're doing their product their service their company they're individuals. They're all sorts of different things that you can about any company or about any offering that you can talk talk about. And the main problem I always find when I do these sessions with clients is that they've got a hundred things they want to to say. That it's, it was and this and don't forget that and this and that and this and I call that feature creep. So what you have to sort of make sure is that you don't get sort of put off by all the fuzz and the nice to haves. You've really got to boil it down to the must-have when it comes to messaging. Absolutely spot on. And I suppose as well, it kind of brings us back to something we've spoken to in previous podcasts as well, which is that it also just gets everyone on the same page. Like if I, Mm -hmm. for example, am someone who's writing a piece of content to a brief for a client and I'm the first port of call there, but then for whatever reason, I'm then not available to write the next piece of content or it's a different piece of content if you have those fundamentals in place and you have notes from that messaging and positioning meeting, then the next person working for the agency, or if you're an in-house PR, the next person working on that particular project knows exactly where you've left off and knows exactly the key points to hear. And I suppose that leads me on to my next question actually quite nicely. Say, for example, I know we're going to move on from this and it is a bit of a cliche and you've quite rightly brought it up. Lots of people think that PR is just writing loads of press releases. They have the same initials. It's a whole thing. But in terms of a press release, what are the key points? What are the key things you need to hit? And how important is it that you have that feedback and you have that information to hand from the client beforehand? It sounds like a loaded question because obviously you need information about what you're broadcasting and what you're writing about. But what are the key points you need to hit and the key themes you need to include? It's such a big question. I mean, there have been books written about that question but I think what I want to say about press releases is that I'm not a great fan of press releases and I think press releases are very useful for large organizations who have to have a certain amount of registered news out there on the internet that they need to send out Lots and lots of information constantly because they've got their large wheels of the corporation churning. 
And I think there's almost like this mystique around a press release. But if you think about being the journalist on the receiving end of hundreds of press releases a day, it can get very, very dull, very, very quickly, very turgid, very boring. So there is a place for press releases when you need to make public announcements about important things. But I encourage clients of mine not to just defer or default to the press release when it comes for putting news out. And it comes back to stuff we've talked about already on podcasts before. It's because just like people, a journalist is not, you know, just a cutout. There's your journalist over there and they all want to receive the same information. It's it's not the way we operate. I very much believe in targeted, bespoke pitching of stories to the right journalist or media target or influencer. And I also believe that there are some stories that are not suitable for press releases. So they won't be something that's that's suitable for a blanket target audience. So press releases, there is no way of saying how to write the perfect press release. But if you do have to write a press release, I think the first thing you have to know is what you want to say. And that sounds like a really stupid thing to say, but it's not. I've seen so many people layer so many different things into a press release and it just ends up as this smorgasbord of crap basically <laughs> um what you need to know is what you want to say why you want to say it and who you want to say it to and you want to say it in the most concise and informative way and have backup information that should want people want to know more that you have a lot of information to give about certain points and your press release has to be interesting <laughs> it has to be something that's newsworthy um, it has to be new news and you would not believe the number of people who come to me wanting to send out a press release that is not news it's old news that's been written about before but they, they'll say oh I haven't said anything about it in public but it's stuff that's already out there so you've got to be you've got to be careful about the subject matter the headline how you distribute it who you send it to there are so many different things and how you write it and then you have to think culturally because nowadays we're in a global world English is spoken all across the world. You've got to think about geographies. You've got to think about translation. Um, because even though we, us lovely, lazy Brits who don't speak any other languages, <laughs> got to think about how a press release could be translated. So keeping out colloquialisms and phrases that mean something to us that wouldn't necessarily translate. There's so many, so many things to think about with a press release. I could go on ad nauseam about them. And this is the thing, isn't it? It's one of those phenomenon that exists in the world at large, or particularly in the PR world. It's something that as someone who works in PR, you're asked constantly about, oh, you know, I'd like to do a press release for this business that I work with or I own. How do I go about writing it? And they kind of almost just expect you to have an answer to the art form slash science that is there writing a press so release. There are so many times when is... you get people come yeah. to you with a press release and saying, I want you to distribute this and I want you to come back to me with, you know, tell me how much coverage you're going to get for it. And you're like, 
well, hang on a second, you know, I don't have journalists, nobody has journalists in their back pockets that automatically will write on their press releases. And if they do, then they're not real journalists or it's pay for play. You know, there's a lot of publications these days who don't, who maybe look at advertorial rather than advertising. So there are a lot of publications that will say, here, I've seen your press release and we'll charge you a hundred pounds to publish it. That's not earned media, which is what I think PR is all about. There is paid for media and you can do those kind of slots depending on the publication and the message and the, the client. But with press releases, I mean, the golden rule is always there's got, you know, got to be a beginning, middle and end. There's got to be something that is gripping in terms of a headline. It's got to be news and it's got to be relevant and timely, you know, writing about Brexit now. Well, even I suppose you could you could argue there could be some political arguments that you could tie something to, but you know it's a bit old hat. So you'd be wanting to write about the effect of on the supply chain of the war in Ukraine, for example. You'd want to keep things you know completely on trend and in the news cycle, and you'd also want to be very cognizant of all the rules and regulations that go with certain financial releases as well mm. i mean yeah absolutely uh, it's so, so there's red tape but then there's also there's kind of nuance to it there's stipulations that you've got to include based on what the client's sort of telling you to bring through it and i was just as a small tangent i would always find and maybe this is just my own writing style and we'll actually get onto writing styles in a bit because i think everyone is different when it comes to how they might put something like this together but if i was in a position now where i had to write a press release for tomorrow i'd be trying to bring cultural events and situations into it without making it the main event i'd be kind of like sort of demonstrating an awareness on behalf of the client that these things are happening whilst making it relevant to what it is they're announcing on the story yeah, i mean how to can tell. you make a broadcast piece of information relevant to everybody you just can't, you can't. it's impossible yeah, exactly um and that's why I don't like press releases. I do <laughs> think they're generally boring. Yeah. And, you know, if I was a journalist, I would be really hacked off with getting press releases in my inbox every day. Well, this is what I was going to say to you. I mean, the first thing I was going to say is, again, I'm kind of finding it increasingly interesting, the parallels you can draw between the PR world and the performance world. And something you said that really illuminated for me and really stood out was sounds like a very simple thing, but just actually have something to say. Like, don't just release a press release or construct a press release for the sake of it. And I know very few people do, but a piece of advice I was given three, four years ago when I was looking to write to agents and casting directors as an actor is for sort of two years after I left drama school, I would just be writing what I would describe as an appropriately generic email to an agent. Hi there, my name's Lyle Fulton. I'm really good and I'm looking for an agent. Is there any chance you have space free? And nine times out of 10, they'd not get back to you. And the remaining mm. one time out of 10, they'd get back to you saying, thanks, but nah, we've not really got space for you because there's too many people who are similar to your look or your style. And it's a very cutthroat world out there. But then someone gave me some advice, like have something to say to them, have news. Yes. Like you could even, you know, and I'm not suggesting at all that you embellish anything when it comes to the PR world, but you could even say, oh, I've got some new headshots and make that sound like news. I've got some new photos on my face and I'm really going to attack the industry in the next couple of months. Will you come on the journey with me? And fair enough, didn't, overnight, things didn't just go, yeah, we want to sign you, we want to sign you. But the responses you got back 
were far more involved and engaged because you had something to say to them. You had something for them to bite onto that wasn't just, hi, I'm and an here you are, still. you're talking about that one-on-one hook, yeah, which is what you generally would use when you're pitching in an exclusive to somebody to say, listen, you know, I've got this, it's really exciting, it's something new, I haven't told anybody else about it, do you want it? And sometimes they do and sometimes they don't, but you certainly get much more meaningful feedback from a journalist saying, hey, listen, you know, you might think that's really interesting, and I'm glad you brought it to me, but it's not because so-and-so down the road just told me this about the same thing. Mm. And you'd be like, oh, okay, thank you for that. At least I got the feedback. And clients often want to know, you know, the why their press release hasn't hit or why their story hasn't hit. And it can be something as simple as another story came in that suddenly became much more important to that journalist. And your story just dropped down the list. It wasn't that they weren't interested. Usually with the stories we pitch, they're usually valid stories. It can just be a simple kind of, that's the luck of the draw. Sometimes I've been in situations where journalists have been writing negatively about a company that has invested in one of my clients' companies and they won't take a story about it just because they've been invested in by a company that they don't want to write about. There can be all sorts of different things. And, and clients, you know, do want feedback, but you can't give it sometimes. Sometimes you just can't get it. And you don't want to bother your contacts too much to be pestering them to say, tell me why you weren't writing about my story, because it just looks lame, doesn't it? Exactly. And I also don't necessarily want to stress the, and I'm going to be careful here, the unimportance of writing at times. But We've spoken about how when I came to interview for Demozo, and I'm sure when other potential candidates come to interview for Demozo and other agencies and other in-house PR jobs, that writing is a big part of what you Mm. need to demonstrate skills in, in order to succeed in that particular application. And quite right too, because it's a very important skill. But something you've just stressed, which I think is really, really important to get across is, then as a result, seldom do you find that a piece of writing is in inverted commas, unacceptable by the time it goes out do you know what i mean we as a pr agency do our due diligence on drafting and putting things together for discussion in-house before we then send it to the client and then it goes to the journalist or it goes out and about so the piece of writing is for want of a better expression top quality by the time it should goes be. should be anyway should be we say <laughs> sort of cheekily laughing to ourselves but then it can then very much be like a journalist will come back to you and say, yeah, this is great. Don't get me wrong. It's just, we don't want to run it now. It really does come down to placing that piece of writing and placing that story, not just yeah. in the right position, but also at the right time. It needs to be the right time to get that well, that's, story that's why. That's why when you're looking at different types of writing, like thought leadership pieces, like Americans call them op-eds or mm. bylines, different types of content can be much more appropriate than just the boring old press release. I do struggle sometimes when people bowl up to me going, hey, we've got this press release that we want you to distribute and get us loads of coverage on because it's hard to do that when it's completely out of context from the the kind of journey that you've been on with a lot of these, a lot of the journalists. And this sort of brings me on to the point about how PR needs to be a consistent flow of information and dialogue between you and your publics than just this one-off, one-shot hit 
that a lot of people think they can just ring up a PR agency, send out a press release and, you know, get great results and then do nothing. It doesn't work like that. With public relations, it's it's less like advertising. Advertising is that kind of campaign-based outreach that you pay for, you place, you spend a lot of time working on your creative, you make sure that you get your message across in your own dictated way. PR and media relations is all about the understanding between your public relations company and the media that they're talking to and getting that message across and it's earned media, it's not paid for media. And the reason it's called earned media is because we spend ages trying to make sure that your story as a client resonates with the readership and the audience of the publication you want to get into and also resonates with the journalist that you're speaking to. And in very simple terms, I'm not going to take a piece about NFT art to the history columnist in the Times. I'm going to take it to either the technology correspondent or the art correspondent. And it's it's as simple as that. Now, that sounds very basic, but a lot of people don't understand that you can't just do that with a press release. You can't just do that just overnight phone up and say hey Liam at the times you know I've got this really really great story and he's like who are you what's this thing I you have no background with me you have no credibility with me and even if I did and I do know Liam at the times even if I did do that he'd still go hang on a second who are these people where are they from you know, it's, everybody's reputations are at stake when you've got a story. It feels like it's coming at you very cold as well. I imagine as a journalist or as an influencer, it's coming at you very cold. You don't have, again, because I imagine they're in the same position as a lot of PRs are in as well, where they want to know the message. They want to know the position of the client and where it needs to be. And they want to have a full sort of developed understanding of what that is before they even sit down and write. And it doesn't really matter how long the piece is going to be and what style of piece it is. They want to be able to sit down and not really even have to think about some of the fundamentals because they've already heard from other sources and you've already put the groundwork in. An example I was going to use is I've recently worked on a bio, very, very simple in-house thing that we might use on behalf of a client to send to publications and influences and people in the media mm-hmm. for a wonderful uh, man called Rob Crossley, who's mm-hmm. recently become the VP of publishing at Playstack, who were fantastic. And he was a fantastic guy. And I listened to a meeting when I was sort of putting these things together. But one of the things he said or alluded to at the very least is that one of the reasons why he wants to work with us and the company wants to work with us as a whole is that he wants to speak. He wants to write thought leadership. He wants to, because he was a writer at heart. He was a writing Mm -hmm. enthusiast when he went to university. So they're not, I mean, again, I could be wrong because I'm not as involved in that client's ongoings as other members of the team. But I would imagine that moving forward in the short term, that's going to be less press release heavy and going to be more, where can we get Rob to sort well, of somebody write like Rob publication? is very respected in the industry anyway mm. and is, a, you know, a great, great name and could just literally, you know, you could, you could phone an editor of, of a publication and say, hey, listen, Rob would like to write about X, <laughs> Y and Z. And they would probably sit up and listen. But that's exactly illustrating what I'm saying is that he is well known. He has a track record. He has Mm. credibility. If you just come out of nowhere um, with somebody who has never been heard of, who might well have an amazing story, 
you've still got to spend the the hours, you know, treading that beaten track, making mm. sure that you're building all that credibility, building the foundations. And, you know, I spend a lot of time when I first bring on new clients to explain it's a layered process. You know, you have a certain amount of time to make sure you get your messaging right. Mm. Make sure that your stories are resonating with the audience groups that they need to resonate with. Make sure that your offering is packaged up in a way that's understandable. And then have time to build a dialogue with the people that you want to convince to write about you. Mm. And it is a dialogue. It's not just this broadcast medium. It's very about much about the relationship that you build, but also about understanding and really appreciating the work that whether it's an influencer, whether it's a journalist, whether it's a broadcaster or a radio person, you, you just have to really understand what, what they need and supply them with it. And it just doesn't happen overnight, which is why it's hard work. Hard work and important to have a considered approach and to appreciate, I imagine, that it's not, going to happen overnight like you just no, said it's and it's going to just click your fingers and make happen you it need to have a plan like and I suppose because I was going to ask questions as well because the point I was going to make about Rob as well you've sort of summed it up actually perfectly for me is times are changing when it comes to how you get that message out there I think you know in the past and it's something I'm going to ask you about I imagine it potentially was more press release heavy I, I might be wrong there but it was more press release heavy because information was not as readily available as it is now so that one piece you see in a written publication that's come about as a result of a press release being distributed is how you heard about a product or an event or something similar whereas well, interestingly you know, it was a lot more exclusive 20 30 years ago mm. to to send press releases out they were actually expensive things to produce and send you know, I remember when I first set up my first PR agency, spending the days writing them, spending the days photocopying them, then folding them, then putting them into envelopes, then licking the envelopes, licking the stamps because we were too poor to um, to to buy the the self adhesive ones. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I seriously so many paper cuts on my tongue from <laughs> licking envelopes. Suffering for your art. Suffering for us, and then <laughs> hauling great big bags like Santa up to the post office and and getting them posted, and then you know a couple of years later when you're getting bigger and you can you can get a franking machine or get a photocopy that can actually staple things. I mean those things people wouldn't even think about that nowadays. It's all through electronic mail, mm. but if you really think back to the early genesis of press releases, they were folded up put in an envelope and sent out to the editors and the writers within the different publications. And people did open the envelopes on the other side <laughs> and look at the headline and think, oh, this is it. And then they would go off and retype up their own story and do. So it was a much more long-winded process. And I think the reason I wanted to just give that picture to people was that nowadays words are very cheap. You know, back then, if you could think about the, we didn't really have, the luxury of being able to have the, oh my goodness, collaboration on a document across the internet, that never happened. We'd be back and forth with faxes and scribble marks and it would take sometimes a month to get a press release signed off wow. and, and agreed. And then, God forbid, you sent it out with a typo or an error in it. I mean, it was just nerve-wracking sending out press releases. And I look at, I look at the, 
enormity of verbiage that we now churn out. And I just think, how do you how do you get that exclusivity of a story? The only way you can really do that is to have that sniper fire approach to the content that you have crafted. And so that's why we sort of nowadays we do what I call synopsis pitching, which is working with a journalist of your required target to say, hey, listen, you know, this is an appropriate story for your audience. But how would you put it to your audience? What you know, what are you working on at the moment that you would tie it into? And so working with with that journalist to co-create something where we do a lot of the legwork, we might go running off and researching other things that we wouldn't have even thought about before talking to them, but it makes it much more relevant to that readership. Cutting through all that electronic verbal mess is is so important now. And that's why you need PR agencies, because for somebody to do that on their own within an organisation, I do, I'm a very big fan of internal PR groups, I really am, but it is a hard, hard job to think about the myriad of publications and influencers and channels out there and then have to think about how to create that cut through. That's why that's why we're here. It's not mm. because we've got this black book of contacts <laughs> that we can just make right for us. It just that that doesn't work. It doesn't work no. that way. That is not what PR is all about. Yeah. It's much more sophisticated and it's much more, you know, very much down in the weeds of all of this trying to to create something that's very meaningful uh, for our clients it's a sophisticated world of coverage isn't it that's Mm. what it's all about it it boils down to coverage and exposure of an event or a product or what it is that you want heard by your target audience and i think it's very very important and you've made the point brilliantly as ever it's important to separate coverage just coming off the back of a press release you write something you announce something and there it goes and coverage being a considered campaign of work in partnership with an agency that you have employed and reached out to or your in-house team and that's just going back to I mean Rob's a great example but there are other examples of people we've worked with as an agency and I'm sure lots of other agencies have worked with as well which is do a thought leadership piece because information being what it is means that it's as good, if not better, than a press release in illuminating an audience to a product because they go, I really enjoyed reading what they had to say in this publication that I enjoy reading. What is it that they do? Oh, I'll go and you know look that up. I'll go and research what it is that they provide. What events are they organizing? What products do they provide? Oh, that looks interesting to me. And it almost acts as as good, if not better than a press release because all of a sudden you've captured a far wider, far broader audience because you've spoken to something they want to engage with, which is opinion, which is, you know, the sensibility of something. I think that's really, really important. One question I was going to ask you is, before we uh, close off this episode, much as we have uh, not maligned, because I think, you know, press releases are still a very important part of what we do. But, (laughs) you know, I think we both agree, you know, I don't want to, I now don't want to go leave this recording and write a press release. Do you remember what the first press release you agonised over was in your I remember the first press release I wrote. Go for it. What was it? I was working um, back at Roderick Manhattan Mm. and I had this software program called Sidekick and it was a personal organiser software program and it had been previously created uh, by Hewlett Packard and um, we were now sort of republishing it or it brought it back to life 
as a much better program. And I remember thinking, oh my God, how do I write about this? It was really difficult because sometimes things seem like it's a personal organizer, it's calendar, you know, hey, hey, here's this great colorful calendar program. This is why it's really good. It helps you keep organized on your computer. <laughs> so what more can I say about that? And I thought to myself, well, actually, that's great. It's really simple. You know, it's the simplest, easiest to use. And then it sort of came to me that the benefits were, it was all about the benefits. Well, how does this actually benefit people? It was easy to use. It was easy to install. It was very colorful. And it was taking advantage of all the latest Windows technology. And suddenly it started to, to happen for me. Before we do sort of leave the the kind of that that thorny issue of clients and press releases and expectations. I sort of talked about the the clients that expect you to suddenly sort of miraculously create coverage, but I also have some amazing clients. Demoso has amazing clients mm. who do look at the media and think how their stories could be in that particular publication and look at somebody like Gary from Ethax you know he used to do the poker stars marketing he really understands how hard it is to get a story and particularly if you look at poker stars where the English press won't even write about gambling so he's got a really good eye on a story and often sends us sort of little snippets across slack just saying hey have you seen this story have you seen that story inspiration and I think that's another thing is working with your clients to be of the same mindset to give each other inspiration and say, what do you think of this as an idea? What do you think of that as a story? They have a little bit less pressure on all of us thinking, oh, we've got to come up with this latest, greatest and make it a little bit more collaborative and creative and brainstormy. And I think that is another real key to good storytelling and good writing is if you've got clients that get it, who really understand that, you know, to get that story out, you have to think about all sorts of different layers and levels. So I, I think we are giving a little shout out to all our lovely clients. They are pretty cognizant of what makes a good story and, and are very happy to just brainstorm a few ideas. And I think that's really important. It's not just to hand it over sort of passively to somebody else to say, hey, go make a story out of that. It's a very collaborative and, and enjoyable process. Definitely. And always be learning as well, I imagine. Always be learning from 100%. your clients, much as they'll learn from us about how we work and where to put certain things and who to approach. Always be prepared as someone who works within a PR team or a PR agency to learn from your clients as well, because at the end of the day, the more collaborative it is, as you rightly pointed out, the more success you're both likely to achieve when it comes to the message you're trying to get out there and what you're trying to do. In terms and also of just strategy. bear in mind that messages do change. You know, you, you, I did say at the beginning of this podcast that, you know, the best way is to keep reiterating a message over and over again in many different creative ways to make sure that across multiple touch points, you get that message across. But we all evolve, products change, services evolve, and messages do change. So I always encourage people to go back to their messaging at least once a year, just to check that things haven't moved and changed with the times. And you often find that new stories come out of, you know, getting into that disciplined way of looking at your messaging. Brilliant stuff. We're going to call it there, I think, because I think we have covered just 
a huge range of things when it comes to writing. We're getting pretty good at this, I think. I think this is going pretty well. I think so. <laughs> We're getting pretty good at this. You're absolutely smashing it. And might I just say, in typical Lyle Fulton, bringing it back, bringing things full circle. What an honor. You're going to mention your dad again. To be your sidekick <laughs> in this podcast. Because you said the first press release you ever wrote was about sidekick. Yeah. I feel honored oh. to be your sidekick. You oh, see, it's smushy. Good. What a smushy end. Yeah, uh, but we're going we're gonna to finish it there. <laughs> Thank you so much, listeners, for listening to this latest episode of The Rest is PR. It's been an absolute thrill to bring this one to you. Next week, very, very exciting. We've got our first guest from outside Demoza mm. appearing on the podcast. The wonderful Kelly Vera will be joining us yes, next week to talk exciting. all things games in PR, all things the metaverse. She's also been a publicist before for some really high profile names. So that's really, really exciting. Look forward to that. As ever, if you want to get in touch with the podcast, with a subject you want us to discuss, or if you would like to appear on it at some point in this series, then you can email us at info at the rest is PR.com. That is our new email address. It now exists. Jackie signed it off. <laughs> I'm loving it and I'm loving it. We've got a website. We've got a website as well. We're going to talk about that. If you want more information on this podcast, it's www.therestispr.com. I had a look at it today. It's magnificent. Thank you, (laughs) You Dad, for being so brilliant. I wrote it. Yeah, you know, that's me being super humble, obviously, as ever. Um, But thank you so much for listening to The Rest is PR. We can't wait to bring you another brilliant episode next week. But in the meantime, have a wonderful rest of your week, wherever you are, and we'll see you for the next episode of The Rest is PR.